Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Hormones podcast. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, and this episode is sponsored by my root cause program. So remember, if you want to get from symptoms to solutions, getting to the root cause is the easiest way to do that. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting to Lauren. So Lauren is the co-founder of the National Women's Fitness Academy, and Lauren and I connected through, I'm just going to go NWFA. (laughs) Um, And I'm so excited to be, yeah, working alongside them and running some workshops in Bali, which will be fun. So a little bit about Lauren. Lauren was fed up with the lack of education, like a lot of us, um, and support for females in the industry and the prevalence of women feeling sort of fobbed off by health professionals or just told to suck it up, which a lot of us understand and relate to when things weren't right with their menstrual cycle or also their postpartum body. So after going through her own struggles with eating disorders, pregnancy, abdominal separation, pelvic floor, hormonal concerns, so pretty much all of it, Uh, as well as body image issues she decided something had to change so Lauren thank you so much for being here it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast thank you so much for having me I'm super excited um yeah I always get a little bit nervous like talking about myself because I like talking about like asking other people questions but then when I get questions I'm like oh yeah it's so funny Um, because you're such like a chatty open sort of person (laughs) as well but then yeah Yeah, I am an open book yeah, yeah, I'm an open book. Like you can ask me anything, and I'll be yeah. So t- sometimes too open. <laughs> um, but I think it's needed. It's needed with women. Like yeah, we need more transparency with what everyone's going through, and and not just that filtered what you see on Instagram. Like yeah, and and so people realize that oh, I'm having a shit time too. That you know, I don't feel so alone so yeah although in saying that I want to point out that I feel like your Instagram is very unfiltered so that was only for those listening I've obviously followed National Women's Fitness Academy um but I didn't even realize like I knew you would have a personal one but I didn't even connect the dots and then when you shared it with me and I was like this is amazing every woman should be following this kind of stuff because it is it's so unfiltered and raw and nor like normal for a better use of the words rather than looking at someone's Instagram being like oh that's so like absolutely airbrushed perfect mm-hmm. I feel so shit you know yeah thank you yeah I it kind of came from uh when was it like seven years ago when I had my first baby I was looking through Instagram just searching for something to make me feel better I was like I feel shit all I'm seeing is these supermodels having babies I just I can't find anyone that looks like me everyone just people only posted when they felt their best obviously so that was seven years ago it has changed a lot now and there are a lot of body positivity pages which is awesome Um, but back then I was just like I can't find anyone that looks like me I can't even find a belly with stretch marks on Instagram and I was just searching and searching so I started posting them 
And then I had an influx of messages and comments like, thank you so much for sharing this. Uh, you know, I look just like this and I thought I was the only one. I was like, God, I thought I was the only one too. Like, it's just crazy. Um, yeah, back then, but it has changed a lot and it is a lot more, which is awesome. So you just got to find, you just got to search through like all the hashtags and find the people that are sharing those images that, you know, you want to be looking at images that are similar to you or, or that are unfiltered more than what you're looking at images that are perfect. It comes down um, to that, like curating your Instagram feed as well. You know what I mean? Like I follow a lot of people who do what I do because I'm sort of learning off them and I find interesting mm-hmm. seeing what they do, but that's like my work one. Whereas my personal one, yeah, your friends are flipped through there, but your friends don't actually post that much like businesses or influence mm-hmm. or people are the ones who are posting. So they're always appearing in your feed. So like you said, if yeah. you're following a heap of, you know, supermodels or, you know, people who have a lot of external help or support or make being a mum look easy as opposed Mm. to a real mum who's, you know, doing the day-to-day grind, it would definitely influence the way you think about those things. Yeah, absolutely. What you look at and consume through your eyes, it really affects your, yeah, your mental health. Um, Mm. And that's such a big thing uh, that I like to teach people is, yeah, just, um don't filter what you look like but filter what you're looking at yeah so So for those who don't know lauren kelvin (laughs) where did she start Mm -hmm. so what's your sort of health journey be obviously i skimmed over the top of it but where did that kind of start how did you get to where you're doing today as a co-founder of this amazing business and also you know sending this self-positivity message in a sense across instagram yeah, well, I guess it's such a long story, but being in my 30s, I think most women can relate to, we all probably have body image issues from the way we grew up and what we consumed through advertising and our mums were always on diets and all that stuff, the things we saw on TV and, and magazines. Um, I think, I, I don't know if anyone was immune to that growing up. Um, so I, looking back, always had body image issues and disordered eating. Um, but it wasn't until I was about 17, 18 that I developed bulimia. Um, so yeah, I, I sort of had that for about eight years, um, and it, no one knew about it. So yeah, it was a very long and lonely time. I used to just stay home and eat and purge, you know, for days, um, and just eat in my car and things like that. And I just, uh, wanted to wanted to feel the the bones on my hips I wanted to feel the collarbone I wanted that look that you saw in the magazines and would rip out the magazine pictures of the side zero models um and and have that as motivation and How and all that you? which um about 18 or yeah. probably younger probably 15 I didn't develop bulimia until I was about 18 but yeah. disordered thoughts probably from 14 onwards yeah. um and wanting to be thinner and I think that's totally common like yeah I think there's statistics out there saying from the age of six girls start wanting to be thinner which is so scary and it all comes down to what we're listening to from our mums um and my mum was always on diets she's 64 and she still thinks she's fat and it's just like you just can't break that generation of disordered thoughts and it's just so it's such a bad cycle so yeah we're in that generation where we can sort of stop that now and um but yeah, after I had bulimia for a while, I, how did I stop doing that? I, I got into fitness. So I realized that um, in order to be fit and strong, I actually couldn't do that. 
Um, so I swapped my eating disorder from bulimia to orthorexia, um, which I thought was awesome at the time, like fixbo, clean eating. Um, everyone was doing it at the time. It was I think, 2013, 2014. Um, I got into doing like a bodybuilding competition and, and started training for that. I was oh, disgustingly thin and I thought, yeah, that that was healthy. But um, I think I was 13% body fat and wow. yeah, it was, it was really bad, but that's what wins you trophies in, in those, in those sports. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, but yeah, I, um, I really believe that I was, you know, I was healthy because I, you know, stopped my eating disorder and I just shifted it to another focus, which, um, is super common as well. So, um, yeah, couldn't even eat tomato sauce. Like I couldn't eat anything with sugar in it. Everything was just like plain chicken, plain vegetables and um, couldn't like, yeah, struggled to drink milk and coffee and things like that. And it was very um, low calorie, everything, um, but very uneducated. So I wasn't educated back then in nutrition at all. I just followed what this guy was telling me, this yeah. trainer, um, which looking back now was really bad advice. Um yeah, I think it is. It's changed a, a little bit now, um, but back then it was very bad, um, disordered advice that we were mm. getting from trainers, especially males, that um, pushed their sort of ways onto women, not knowing what what it would do. Um, but yeah, after I competed, it was really fun, and like I I do admire women that do it, and it is a really fun, uh, exciting thing to do, getting up on stage and and showing off your progress and things like that. Um, but yeah, I did lose my menstrual cycle for about three months. Um, I got really sick. I immediately, I got thrush. I got, um, rashes all over my, like my body just shut down and went to shit. <laughs> so yeah, it was just like really, really horrible. Um, and I put on a lot of weight quickly after that after that because there wasn't a such thing as reverse dieting back then right so yeah. it was just uh okay you've done your comp now see you later um the coaches didn't really know what to do after that it was either keep doing what you're doing or yeah, <laughs> yeah. keep your disordered behavior or nothing there wasn't a way out of it yeah um so yeah quickly turned my orthorexia into binge eating disorder I was, yeah, I was binging every day. I was hiding food under the bed, um, like packets and packets of food and chocolate and, um, again, eating in my car, uh, but I wasn't going to the stage of bulimia like I used to. I would just binge. So it was, yeah, putting on a lot of weight very quickly. Um, and then I got my cycle back and then I got pregnant straight away. Wow. So That's amazing. Like a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like yay cool I got pregnant like it's all happy days now but my body was just like what the f are you doing <laughs> yeah yeah true to um, go from nothing to one yeah, cycle to yeah. pregnancy that's a huge yeah thing. so I got to such a low body fat and stress levels that I lost my cycle and then I quickly gained the body fat and my cycle came back and I got pregnant so yeah. um yeah that was seven years ago um my son's seven so <laughs> Um, and then pregnancy, oh, my God, that was a ride. Um, I was really sick and I just kept binging pretty much throughout that. Um, I put on about 30 kilos in my pregnancy. Okay. Um, and I was, yeah, pretty depressed throughout that pregnancy. Yeah. It was a pretty horrible time. Um, I got stretch marks on 
every part of my body, even my like carbs and just arms, everything, because I, I put on so much weight so quickly. Um, and then I sort of thought, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Once I've had this baby, I'm going to get fit again and I'll get surgery. I'll cut all my fat off and all that. That's like still in that mindset um, of I can fix this type of thing. Um, and then after I had Huxin, I had split abs. I had pelvic floor issues. I was an absolute mess that, yeah, getting back into exercise was really, really hard. Um, but I did slowly uh, and I lost I lost most of the weight, like lost all of the weight eventually. Um, but there was no trainers out there that could tell me what my split abs were or what to do about them or anything. And I was searching for some, you know, some sort of information mm -hmm. or answers and I had to see, like obviously saw physios and stuff, but there was no connection between physiotherapy and fitness. There was nothing. It was just either you go to see a physio and then once you're ready, you go to a gym and you continue that. But the trainer's not going to know yeah. anything about what the physio knows. So yeah, it was just like you had to find out your own information and bring it to the gym or the trainer, um, which, yeah, so I just spent a lot of time researching and finding people that knew what it was all about. <laughs> yeah um and, and um yeah eventually I sort of you know got the abs back together and um lost weight and got fit again and and then I got pregnant again <laughs> <laughs> but probably a totally different pregnancy because you're probably absolutely enough yeah yeah healthier, um, robust and yeah between that pregnancy uh before the yeah the second pregnancy I studied my cert three in fitness and started learning and educating myself in fitness and um, and then, yeah, my second pregnancy was 100% different. I was working at F45. I trained like five days a week, um, you know, weights and cardio. And I was doing all the movements. Um, and, yeah, it was completely different. I didn't feel as sick. I wasn't as much in pain. And um, it was just like, holy crap like exercise is so important when you're pregnant. And I was just like, light bulb, like what yeah. the hell? Why are people so scared to exercise when they're pregnant? Because when I was pregnant the first time, I was like, am I meant to exercise? Am I allowed to exercise? Yeah. Like, what yeah. should I do? So I ended up not really exercising much and it got really sick and heavy and um, pain everywhere, that sort of stuff, chronic pain. And, yeah, when I was exercising pretty much daily, I wasn't in pain, I felt really good like I didn't gain much weight and um not that gaining weight is an issue but it, it kind of was for my joints and my yeah. feet uh, in my first pregnancy I ended up yeah. not being able to walk some days because my feet were so um like the bones and ligaments in my feet spread out so much because of the heaviness of that the quickness that my body gained weight yeah it was just a mess so it was just those contrasting pregnancies between uneducated disordered eating and then you know getting into fitness, exercising, moving my body, eating better. It was just like, yeah, amazing. Um, and, yeah, the, the postpartum was heaps better as well. I, I, the birth, the birth, oh, my God, that was, that was a massive difference. So my first pregnancy, <laughs> yeah, like every birth is different and everyone is completely different. But my first birth was like uh, nine hours excruciating wow. awful I was in so much pain for and for weeks I was in so much pain afterwards wow. and then my second birth was literally an hour labor pushed for 20 minutes three weeks later I was 
able to exercise again pretty much I that's was insane. like that's it's the same yeah yeah, yeah. what a it's change. the same body but I just treated it differently like yeah and then so, that, yeah. that whole postpartum stuff, is that where this sort of idea for National Women's Fitness Academy came back, going, hey, there's this gap, there's this lack of mm. awareness, lack of education, we need to yeah. do something about it? Absolutely. Um, and one of my good friends, um, Ziggy, who's one of our first educators in the course, she's a physiotherapist, um, I was, yeah, talking to her about it and um, talking to talking about Cert 3 and 4 and I was like, look, there needs to be something for us, for us women in the industry. I was mm-hmm. sick of seeing all the advertisements for fitness courses and it was just these ripped guys with their protein <laughs> shakes. And it's just like, where is the diversity? Yeah, that was another big thing that why I wanted to start it. Another one of my good friends, Sarah Rani, who wears a hijab and um, there was absolutely no representation of hijabis. There was no representation of, you know, bigger girls or health at every size. It was just all, you know, your typical skinny abs. That was all you saw on any gym, any fitness course, advertisement, anything. Yeah. And yeah, so it's kind of just like that. How can I, how can, how can we change this? And I think just trying to influence people through social media is not enough. Um, I wanted to try and grow a, a community of women who all had this same value, like all wanted to do the same thing. And, um, and yeah, it just kind of snowballed and grew really quickly because people were like, oh, my God, we need this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. and yeah. So it, it started off with like the, the um, you know, the split abs and the pelvic floor issues and then um, went to like, yeah, hormonal stuff when I realised so many of my friends had PCOS and endometriosis. Um, I, I don't have those personally, but so many of my friends had those issues and they had no help with them and no one knew anything about it and um yeah so that sort of grew from there (laughs) yeah because you're so passionate about you know confidence in women and health at every Mm. size and empowering women and these kind of things because we do see and you know you are involved with a lot of different women and a lot of different circles but you must see a lot of things I've seen on your Instagram about that fat phobia or these Mm. disorders or these disordered you know disordered and sense but yeah you know what's what's driving all this stuff what is driving the fat phobia is it just social media is it the comparison game like why essentially it's really frustrating but it essentially comes from the top it comes from government agencies it comes from the cancer council it comes from the departments it's uh it's systemic fat phobia from day dot like yeah how can we fight someone that is so far above us like it's so hard but what we can do is just create more awareness of this fat phobia and um like people don't even realize that they have fat phobia and it's like they're so it's like when you're you you know you you think someone's going to look better if they lose weight or you're scared to put on a few kilos um but it's nothing to do with your health it's it's that fear of gaining fat because you fear someone else judging you um because they have fat phobia so it's just like this oh it's it's a web and it's um uh yeah it's really hard to grasp everything and try and um see what we can do but yeah we can only do what we can do we can't 
like, yeah, I, I hope to think one day we can lobby to governments yeah. and change yeah. things. But, <laughs> hey, let's just grow the community first. Yeah. And then <laughs> well, yeah, and then you think as women we're so unique compared to men mm. in that fact that once you throw in childbirth and babies or, or PCOS mm. or endometriosis, and all of a sudden you've got these adrenal and hormonal dysfunctions. But on top yeah. of that, you are having a baby, you're growing a human. So your mineral and your vitamin and your whole body needs change as well. And your Mm. body fat is going to shift a lot more as opposed to if you're not having those hormonal fluctuations. So that I think that's really important is that post-pregnancy stuff as well. Like just creating awareness that your body will change and that's okay. Like it's it's the fear factor around that too. Mm. We are supposed to have body fat. Women are supposed to have you know, a decent amount of fat covering us and and obviously too much of anything's not good and not enough Mm. something's not good, but um, everyone is different and some people function like in a really healthy way metabolically at a high body fat percentage and but they still will get judged and people will still say you're not healthy, that's not healthy, whereas but they don't actually know that. They don't know their metabolic health, Um, whereas some people do need to lose body fat in order to maybe um, level their hormones and stuff like that. So everyone is so different. Um, And it's just that, yeah, the judgment um, and that fat phobia in society that really doesn't help anyone. (laughs) Yeah, but it's amazing if you look at your journey and you look at how you went from this really insecure, undernourished, Mm. young female, really scared of all those external things to this, you know, strong, empowering, beautiful woman that you are today doesn't say you don't have days where you, Mm. you know, feel shit about yourself because that's normal in a sense. But to see that shift and, yes, fitness played a role and stuff, it it did, but also it's it's a whole mental health shift and that acceptance Mm. and awareness. And I do think a part of that is age. Like I definitely have grown into my body for better use Mm. of words. Like part of that's age, but part of that is more people like you or like me creating that awareness out there and trying to, I guess, connect with other women and go, hey, it's like, it's okay. We're, We're only human and stuff. So it's just, I don't know, you just like look across your journey and go, wow, like there's such... Like, look at yourself, how far you've come mm. over all those years and then how much change you're, you know, increasing now is just amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's such a mindset thing. Like I used to be, yeah, size six and tiny and I, I hated my body then. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I was always looking for something better and, and it's just, yeah, I guess you do get older and realise that that stuff doesn't actually matter and that stuff doesn't make you happy. Um, because when you think about the lowest body weight you've ever been, were you actually happy then? Like, you'll, yeah, if you keep focusing on the weight and um, how your body looks and that's your main focus, then that's, yeah, not going to make you happy. Um, But, yeah, it's good now. (laughs) But I still, yeah, obviously have those days where um, everyone does, you look in the mirror and you think, oh, like, you know, I look a bit crap today, but, it's that mindset switch that you recognize that and then you you say you push you push back those thoughts you say no i'm actually doing really well my body's amazing it's doing amazing things for me um and if you look at your weight and your body when you feel shit about yourself and then you compare it to your weight and your body when you feel good about yourself your body actually doesn't change much it's yeah. in your mind um yeah. so yeah it, it's such a mental game Um, But, yeah, mindset is huge and just practising that 
mindset switching and and um, gratitude and all that kind of stuff. I know a lot of people talk about it and and practice it now, but it it is good to do. It is worth it doing the work. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And having like that side of things, then also having a different focus. Like for you, you kind of shifted from, uh, you know, say being able to feel my hip bones or whatever to opposed Mm to being able to lift a certain amount of weight or being able to do so many squats or doing, you know, focusing to more of a, fitness based Mm -hmm. outcome and for me like the women I work with it's like well let's get your bloating down let's have regular Mm -hmm. pain-free periods let's try and shift to something health-based rather than I need to fit those size six jeans or yeah I need to look a certain way or feel you know or a certain number on the scales whatever it is you know like changing changing our goals can can shift Mm -hmm. so much of that I think yeah absolutely yeah I think a lot of women you know start their fitness journeys to to get that weight loss and that's their that's their sort of tunnel vision and you don't realize that that's actually you know such a small part of of fitness and and um, focusing on that strength um getting fitter your your bones are getting stronger you're going to live longer and in a better way and it's just looking at all that and that's another thing I like to educate people about is the benefits of exercise for aging um because I know you know a lot of us are don't think about it that much. We don't think about menopause yet and, and things like that. But when I look at my mum and my nana and see how much they struggle, like in their 60s and 70s, and um, it just, yeah, it doesn't have to be that way. They don't have to be frail. They don't have to be in pain all the time. If they, you know, if 10, 20 years ago they started weight training and growing their bone density and growing their muscles and and keeping their posture good, they wouldn't have all these ailments that they have now um and that's a huge yeah driver of why I exercise it's not to not to lose weight absolutely not it's to have longevity and and be able to do the things I'm doing now for 20 30 40 years like yeah and still have an able body yeah so as a young mum of two kids and someone who runs a business and doing a lot of things what does your fitness routine look like from day to day is it crazy is it come and go is it consistent mm. what's what is it it's definitely like? not consistent <laughs> uh, well it is I guess I guess it is kind of consistent um in a way that I do exercise probably every two three days um but it it, it is inconsistent in the way that I, I don't have a training focus like I'm not training yeah. for something like I don't have a physical goal or a um, sporting goal or anything like that so it's more uh, um, yeah working around the kids and work and stuff like that but I like to weight train mostly um, just because I enjoy it and I like growing muscle um, and yeah just that feeling of being able to lift heavy things and and um, and be strong it's it's really cool and um, yeah love a deadlift (laughs) (laughs) yes girl Yeah, um, yeah, and then that. what about your approach to food? How do you feel like that's changed from, you know, Lauren 5, 10, 15 years ago as mm. opposed to, you know, how do you eat or what's your approach to eating now? Yeah, that's changed heaps over the last, like, yeah, 8, 10 years um, from that disordered eating. And someone asked me the other day, like, is your eating disorder still with you? And I, I think someone who's had an eating disorder, like mental health, it's always going to be with you in the back of your mind. It's always going to be there waiting for you to have a really shit day or a dark moment. Um, And, yeah, so you've got to always do the work to make sure that you're not feeding your triggers. 
Um, so that's why I don't um, I don't eat for weight loss or anything like that anymore. Like um, I did after having my second baby, um, I did like a diet plan and meal plan. And actually I enjoyed it and it was good for like education around macros and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, yeah, I guess the downside is it, it is kind of leads into that disordered thoughts of like, if you don't, if you don't um, stay in your calories, then you kind of get a bit stressed out and stuff like that. So I kind of monitor my monitored myself. Like I didn't want to get that way, but I did lose a lot of weight after my first, uh, after my second, sorry. So I got, yeah, yeah got down um to a low body fat after that but then I kind of got to a point where I was like right I don't want to do this anymore it's not good for my mental health um it's making me think of like triggers it's triggering me to think about you know disordered eating and things like that um and that was yeah counting calories and macros and weighing food and stuff like that um and while it was good for education purposes because yeah I don't want people to think I'll never do that but um because I did learn a good amount about protein and portion sizes. Yeah, that's and, what I was going to um, say. Protein yeah, is a big one. Yeah. So many young mums are not eating enough protein and that's yes, when I kind of go, if it's not triggering, please track because you'll start to understand. Yes, and that's it, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. If you can but, do it yeah. without it being um, upsetting you in any way or like triggering you, then it is a really good education tool to learn all your different macros, even your micronutrients like fibre. Fibre is so massive, like just learning how much fiber you should have and and playing around with that and um, getting the right nutrients and protein mm. and stuff like that. It was such a good learning curve for me because um, I actually never did any nutrition education before that. So that was massive. But then, yeah, after oh, it was probably a good six, 12 months, I just sort of, yeah, stopped that and went to a more intuitive eating. Um, no more tracking, just uh, listening to my body, eating things I enjoy um and eating when I'm hungry and things like that and it was really liberating it felt really good um and I didn't not like get um disordered thoughts like sometimes because I did put on a little obviously put on weight after that because going from tracking and measuring to intuitive eating you're going to put on weight and you're going to have to accept that um and that's a massive part of it you're going to have to get over the fat phobia because um, I still had that after my second child, obviously, when I went on the diet. Mm-hmm. So I had to look into my fat phobia and and really reassess why I wanted to be smaller and things like that. So, yeah, I had to work through that and, and um, work through, like, having more body fat. And what helped me was sharing. So that's why I share it on Instagram is sharing, sharing my weight gain, sharing my belly fat, on Instagram, sharing my cellulite and all the positivity that comes with that, you just yeah. take that in and that just, yeah, it makes you realise that, <clears throat> excuse me, makes you realise that being a low body fat and having, you know, a flat stomach actually doesn't, it didn't make me happy when I had it. it you know, I got compliments, but, yeah, I didn't get the amount of um, thank yous that I do when I share my, yeah. you know, my belly fat, you know. <laughs> Yes, yes, no, totally. And it's like I said, like it's these diet things have a time and a place as well. Like I think of when someone's doing a gut healing protocol and they've got to cut all their carbs out or, Mm -hmm. you know, they've got really bad, you know, blood sugar issues and we're really like tracking things to make sure you're balancing it or whatever. Like there's always a time and a place. And then there is a time and a place to not stress about it so much or Mm -hmm. your gut's pretty good. And it's just like, what do I want to eat within a 
healthier realm that I'm eating enough protein, I'm getting enough fiber in, but I don't mm. have to track it every day because I'm just living my life in a healthy manner, yeah. trying to be mm. happy, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, it's such a big thing, just being able to like, and people say <clears throat> like, oh, I've let myself go. Like people don't say it to me, but that's how you think yeah. I've let myself go. But I think that's a positive thing. Letting yourself yeah. go is a positive thing. You let yeah. yourself go. You let go of that grip from like that thought of you having to be a certain size and weight all the time. Just let it yeah. go. Um, and it's so freeing uh, just being able to go out for dinner, lunches, eat what you feel like eating um, and not worry about putting on weight and body fat. Yeah. But like a lot of people will think, oh, I just won't be able to control myself. I'll be, I'll be eating all the time. And that, you know, maybe it ha- will happen for a couple of days or a week or whatever, but it's not what your body wants to do. Your body does not want to be yeah, <laughs> not what no. your body needs. Your, if you let your body tell you what it wants to eat, you'll surprise yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You, um, you, yeah. I think that's a big thing. Like people go, Oh, just I'll snack and I'll do this and that. I'm like, no, when, yeah. if you're eating pretty balanced meals, you'll get full yeah. and you'll stop and yeah. you're actually still living a life. You're not generally, you're not sitting mm. there all day doing nothing. Like you, you mm. put work in, in fact, exercise in, in fact, the social things in. And once you yeah. build a healthy life, your food just becomes a part of it. It doesn't become the focus of, of your life in a sense, which is, is yeah. a lot more healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I feel like people that restrict what they're eating or don't eat breakfast and like that, you, you're more inclined to binge and eat crap food at night because your body's trying to get in what it's been missing. Um, so if you eat good balanced breakfast with protein and fats and, and um, carbs, and it will set you up for the day. And, and that's what I sort of learned along the way as well. Like if I, even now, if I get really busy and, and forget to eat breakfast or just have to rush out the door by, you know, one, two o'clock, I'm just binging and, and like, and then at nighttime I'm like overeating because I just, yeah, I haven't eaten all day and then you end up feeling yeah. shit. So yeah, yeah, if you, you've got to do the work. Um, yeah. Intuitive eating isn't just letting like, letting yourself eat whatever you want. You still have to eat mindfully and um, eat well. Um, But, yeah, I go out for burgers pretty much every week. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, so me and my husband are big burger people. We like to find all the good, like, restaurants and cafes with really good burgers. So that's something that's really important to us. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing, right? It's balance. And I think you preach such a healthy, holistic message, partly from, yes, the acceptance point of view, but then partly as a mum who's been through quite a health journey as well. But then also Mm. from the fitness point of view and going, hey, ladies, it is important to still do some exercise as well. It's not just eat whatever and, and love yourself where you're at. It's like, yeah. well, you, you do, there's a health aspect to that. Your bones, mm. your muscles, your reproductive health, all those things yeah. are really, really important as mm. well. So I think for women, yeah, who are listening going, I really resonate with that. I really resonate with Lauren. I think um, go follow her on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you tell listeners a little bit about where to find you and follow you? Yeah, sure. I would love for you to follow me. It is uh, Lauren Calvin underscore LC. Um, yeah, I just sort of 
haven't been posting much lately because I've been so busy with all our Bali organising. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but, yeah, I do post on stories and things and, and try and just, yeah, post positive, happy things and obviously real and raw as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And yeah. if you are into fitness and you're listening, go follow the National Women's Fitness Academy as well and stay up to date with what's happening there because that's such an amazing course that you've built. Like, you guys should be so proud of it. And also, you know, the Instagram brings a lot of, good content I think to women who are in the fitness industry and learning about Mm. stuff and especially like you said coming out of that quite a male dominated industry of the whole I want to say classic PT look you know the men (laughs) with the protein shakes actually building something that's out there to help and educate and empower women with that fitness as as its primary driver yeah thank you yeah if you see all like the ads pop up now you'll notice that it is probably a man training a woman um and or yeah or a very skinny woman training another woman but yeah it's um very typical (laughs) it really bugs me (laughs) yes i know i know we're here to change the game yeah yeah. so yeah we would love um yeah for you guys to come and follow the um national women's fitness academy page it's women's fitness academy underscore oz um we just yeah want to help um educate women on hormone health fitness everything and and just like even social issues feminist sort of stuff so if you ever want to want us to share more of something let me know and yeah (laughs) awesome well thank you so much for being here today i really appreciate it and yeah just hearing your story because i haven't heard your full story before is amazing (laughs) and i think you know you've you've got so much to give and so much to share and you're an inspiration to so many women thank you so much and back to you i absolutely love having you um, in our team we're so lucky uh yeah awesome can't wait for bali yes (laughs) yay Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. If you know a female who needs some empowerment, please forward, repost, tag or share and let's get women talking.